Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.28 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 15th day of September 2023. This is episode 794 of Bitcoin and it's my anniversary today. Yay, it is. It's September the 15th is my anniversary. You know what else it's the anniversary of? It's the 15th anniversary of the Lehman Brothers collapse. So not so the 15th September the 15th is apparently the 15th anniversary of Lehman Brothers collapse according to Bitcoin Magazine, but we're not going to do that first. No, no we're not. So what are we going to do first? I put out a, a Noster note yesterday um, that had a picture of something that has been rattling around my head for, honestly, for a, for a few years now. And one night with, you know, partnering up with a bottle of wine, I decided to put what it was that was rattling around in my head into some kind of format that I can actually look at. And some people have written back going, what the hell is this? And yeah, well, here, let me, I'll just, I'll just kind of show it to you. And I just want to talk about it just a few for a few minutes. And this right here is what I put up on Noster. Well, let's see here. Whoops. I want to get rid of this. So here it is, if I can get it to expand a little bit. This is what I put up. And honestly, what it, what everything here is, is all based around the, the construction of a farm, right? A, a kind of farm that's based on what's called silvopasture. And... If we go like right over here, and I'm not going to explain it too much. I'm not, you know, I don't want it to be a long show, but I just wanted to explain it a little bit that this particular issue, this section right here is just talking about, well, what can a, a silvopasture actually produce? And in the one that I've got planned is, you know, there's wood that comes out of it. Uh, there's black walnuts that come out of it. There's fruit and berry production, there's animal production, and then there's browse production. And browse is basically food for for the animals, right? This is a silvopasture essentially is a plot of land that has that you grow trees on, but you do it in a way where the trees are spaced out far enough away from each other that you can have true pasture alleyways in between the trees. And the, what that looks like is this. So this is the silvopasture as seen from above. And each one of these green things is a 
fully mature black walnut tree, like right here in the you know in, in the legend. All right, each one of these squares is one acre, so this entire entire plot of land is one mile long by one mile wide, otherwise known as a section of land, right? It's 640 acres. So the way this works is that, like I said, I had, you know, we're talking about animal production. What kind of animals? Well, I'm thinking alpaca, sheep, beef cows, and poultry. And the way that it kind of works, and like I said, if you guys want to hear more about it, let me know, and I will make a full show about this. But essentially what happens is you put cows, and not all the animals at the same time, but let's just talk about cows right now. Let's say I got some cows. I'm not even going to talk about how many cows. And I put them on this acre for one day. Then I take that these cows, after they've been on this acre right here for one day, I move them to this acre. And then the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And there's about just a little under a year's worth of acres here. So that by the time that the year ends and the animals go through this matrix and they graze all this down, by the time they come out the other end, technically, if it's done right, and again, there's lots of stuff about this that's kind of, you know, that's kind of weird, but or not kind of weird, but yeah, still, you know, I'm still kind of thinking about what's going on here is that they should be ready for slaughter and have been grass fed for the entire year. In that, in that same year, there's going to be a black walnut harvest from all of these trees, right? There's a lot more to this silvopasture than just this. Again, If you guys want to hear more about what it is that I'm doing, let me know. I will do a full show on this. But all of this, this entire structure right here, everything having to do with it comes from the silvopasture. It's not about anything else. It's about tree production. And after a while, you can cut down, like after, like the black walnut trees, Talking like, you know, to get to full maturity, be like I could plant these trees today, I'd be dead before they hit full maturity. This is a generational farm. And the wood part, the tree part, not only does it produce nuts, but it produces wood. Black walnut wood is highly sought after as veneer for cabinetry and whatnot like that. And it sells for a pretty hefty ass price. But if you were to cut down, there's about 1,400 trees here, right? You could cut down like 10 of them every year and probably capture about $500,000 just in wood sales alone to somebody that wants to make veneer. Then you replant those trees so that the next year you cut down 10 more and the next year you cut down 10 more. But when you planted the first 10 trees to replace the very first ones that you cut down though by that time after they're about three years old they start to come back into nut production right and then they produce more and more and more nuts so now you have the ability to have several different ways to make revenue 
You've got nut sales. You've got wood sales. You've got beef sales. But the issue is, is that there's so much more that you can do with the Silva pasture that I don't want to get into here because we've got news to get to. But when we look at it, there's several things that can occur. The silvopasture feeds all these animals. That's one thing. Then we get uh, several different, a couple of different harvests of different kinds of wood. Black locust trees are going to go in here because they're legumes and they support fertility for the black walnut trees. Again, I won't get into it. But then there's black walnut wood. Well, if we get all the way into where, how many products can we do, black locust wood makes really good fence posts. And it also makes really good craft lumber. Like I said, walnut wood makes really good veneer. You can sell all that. You got the walnut meat. You got berry and fruit. And from the animals, you've got fiber production, meat production, egg production. Out of the greenhouse, which we'll get to in a sec, you got vegetables and then beef. And I should have put in alpaca should actually be uh, here too. Let me actually draw that down here. Because eventually the alpacas are going to die and there's no reason to waste the hide. So you get hide production. And then you get the greenhouse not only produces vegetables, but it also produces trees because you're always going to be needing trees to replace the trees that you cut down. And also as you're building this entire thing out, you're going to need tree production. If you produce more trees than you need, then you can sell those. Right, And then there's the possibility of doing mushrooms and compost and biochar and compost tea and wood vinegar. And all these things are for sale. Electricity and Bitcoin, where does that come from? Well, it comes from the carbon group. Because one of the things that happens with all this is you get biomass production. And I can get it from like cities. If they want to not go into a landfill, they can send it to me and I will put it into the carbon group which basically means that I'm getting wood chips and all kinds of stuff that I can process through biochar processing, which produces a lot of heat and a lot of electricity. I can take that electricity generation and send it to Bitcoin mining. And that Bitcoin mining also produces heat. The electricity generator produces heat. The biochar process produces heat. Hell, even the compost process produces some heat. So I collect all that heat and I can heat greenhouses through the winter right? There's all manner of stuff that could be done. And the biochar actually goes back into the silvopasture to increase fertility, get good nutrient cycling, and it makes it drought resilient because biochar likes water, right? So that goes all the way back into, into the, the, the silvopasture as an input. But I could also sell it if I wanted to. I could sell the biochar. How does this all work? What's the sales? Well, if you got a farm, you need a farm store. And I can do bulk sale to outlets on this fencing post and craft lumber and veneer and whatnot. But all the rest of this stuff, you could fill out a hell of a farm store. You could have an on-site restaurant because you get everything that you need from the restaurant. If you got a restaurant on a farm and it's a beautiful place to be, then people are going to want to get married there. They're going to want to have parties there. They're going to have anniversaries there. They're going to celebrate grandma's 100th birthday there. And you've got a restaurant. See how that works? If you've got a restaurant and a venue, then you've got hospitality, which means that it's possible to put, I don't know, small little maybe houses, like tiny houses, and you can rent them out as an Airbnb or something like that. But 
it goes on because now I've got all the stuff that I need for compost, biochar, compost tea, wood vinegar. Hell, I could get a lawn company going from that. I could probably, you know, get uh, a couple of golf courses to uh, hire my ass to spray their their greens and their, you know, their uh, fairways and whatnot. Because all of the stuff that's being produced is all natural. It's good for lawns. And what's the biggest lawn in the world but an 18-hole golf course? You can also work with farmers and sell it to farm, ranch, and orchards. Again, the electricity... If for whatever reason there seems to be a need and I'm somehow or another connected to the grid, there's a potential for municipal sale of electricity if times get tough at that particular place. And if not, then it just converts back into Bitcoin mining, which is kept, of course, on the balance sheet. And each one of these things, these entities, are governed with a separate LLC. So that's essentially what... I'm think that I've been thinking of for years. It's a generational issue. There's no way to build this thing all at once. And it's also impossible to do it with just one person. How this actually works, I don't know. How to get it built, I don't know. A section of land, do you have any idea how much that shit cost? I mean, it's it's pie in the sky, but as, you know, people have always told me, If you're going to come up with an idea, you might as well make it freaking massive. And this is about as massive as I can get on this particular issue. So, again, on Noster, in Boostagrams, like for Podcasting 2.0, which is how you support the show, if you really want more of this, if you want me to go through this, like big time, like, and it would take more than one show, then please let me know, okay? And I will I will make it happen because this idea, it keeps rattling around in my head. I can't get rid of it. It haunts me like a freaking ghost. And I, I still, I think it's a good idea. It's just so massive that I'm pretty sure everybody would go, the, the return on investment, I'll die before I see the investment. And that's because we have what? A high time preference. We have to get to a low time preference again. This is this is extremely low time preference. This farm can be once it goes into production, it will be profitable for hundreds of years. You're talking about centuries. This is not just generational. This is freaking centuries. All right? So, Again, like I said, let me know and I will make it happen if you want to know more about what's going on here. Now, let's get let's get to the news. And I mentioned the 15th anniversary, my 15th anniversary. Well, actually, it's not my 15th anniversary. It's my 18th anniversary, but it's today on September the 15th, which is the 15th anniversary of the Lehman Brothers collapse foreshadowing the rise of Bitcoin. Yes, Bitcoin Magazine, it is written by Reed McDonald. On this day, 15 years ago, the collapse of Lehman Brothers marked the start of a financial catastrophe that would reshape the global economy. On that fateful day, the renowned investment bank filed for bankruptcy, setting off a chain reaction that led to the great financial crisis, devastating job losses and homelessness. In the midst of the turmoil, Bitcoin was born, Lehman Brothers, 
a venerable Wall Street institution had amassed massive amounts of debt tied to risky mortgage-backed securities. When the housing market began to crumble, Lehman faced insurmountable losses. The Lehman Brothers collapse sent shockwaves through the financial system. Confidence in banks eroded, causing a credit freeze that spread globally. Stock markets plunged, and numerous financial institutions faced severe liquidity problems. Governments worldwide scrambled to rescue the failing banks, and central banks took unprecedented steps to stabilize markets. The great financial crisis unleashed a wave of economic turmoil, with millions losing their jobs and homes. Unemployment rates soared, leading to widespread financial hardships. Many people found themselves homeless as they struggled to recover from the crisis fallout. The human toll was immense, highlighting the urgent need for alternatives to the traditional financial system. As fate would have it, however, innovation was on the way. In October of that year, Satoshi Nakamoto released a white paper titled Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer electronic cash system, in October of 2008. This groundbreaking document outlined a new form of decentralized digital currency, Bitcoin, designed to operate independently of traditional financial institutions. It offered the potential for financial inclusion, security, and transparency traits sorely lacking in the wake of the great financial crisis. Bitcoin's creation was, in part, a response to the failures of the traditional financial system. It aimed to provide an alternative means for conducting financial transactions, one immune to the arbitrary decisions of central authorities and insulated from the systemic risks that had caused the crisis. Over the years, Bitcoin has evolved from an experimental idea into a thriving digital asset and a store of value with its decentralized nature offering hope for financial resilience and empowerment. In the 15 years since Lehman Brothers collapse, the financial world has undergone significant changes. While the scars of the great financial crisis still linger, Bitcoin's emergence represents a transformative response to those turbulent times, offering the promise of a more equitable and secure financial future. So as we celebrate the collapse of Lehman Brothers and its 15th year anniversary, we are reminded of why the hell we're all here in the first damn place. We got to get out of this. We've got to get out of this. And what I just showed you with the whole silvopasture thing, that low time preference, is what we have to get back to. We've got to be able to see beyond our own death. We have to. Because if we don't, then we stay mired in the world that we live in right now. And it's a clown world inside of a dumpster fire with little clown cars that are also on fire running around and clowns getting out of it. And they're on fire too. Everybody's on fire. And yet we're all entertained. It's a distraction. It's a distraction from being able to see past your own death. And if you can't see past your own death, then nothing, nothing ever changes. The people that built the great cathedrals of Europe were working for their entire life on a building that they would never see completed, except for the very last people working on it, the last generation. Some of these buildings took multiple generations to build. We don't do that anymore. You know, we'll throw up a Chipotle inside of 15 minutes, and the next thing you know is collecting weeds four years later when the town decides that, you know, 
lots of people moved out and they don't need a Chipotle anymore and it just closes down and nobody else wants the building because it's a pile of garbage. It, it serves one purpose and that's to service a Chipotle. After that, it's just a box and nobody wants that box. Keep that shit in mind. Oh, it does appear, moving on, it does appear that the um, F2 pool miner has returned, has indeed returned $500,000 in Bitcoin transaction fee over payment to Paxos. Yay, this is out of Cointelegraph. And for some reason, I cannot, hold on, let me see if I, because that's not fair. Okay, Ezra Reguera is writing this one. <clears throat> the Bitcoin miner who received the 19.8 BTC in fees has returned the funds to blockchain infrastructure firm Paxos after it claimed that the company made the mistake of paying over $500,000 in BTC transfer fees. Oh my God, this is ridiculous. (laughs) On September the 10th, the crypto community was puzzled after seeing a BTC transaction that paid around $500,000 in fees to move around $2,000 while the average network fee was around $2. Various speculations were raised, with some believing that the transaction was done by copy-pasting data and accidentally pasting an output into the fee box without double-checking. On September the 13th, Paxos announced that it was their server that made the transfer. Following its claim, the company assured its users that the funds were safe and that the funds belonged to Paxos. The company also clarified that PayPal was not involved in the mistake and admitted to the, that the error was its own. And almost a day after Paxos claimed, the, the Bitcoin miner who received the funds went on Twitter to express frustrations after agreeing to refund the amount to Paxos. The miner asked their Twitter followers what they would do in his stead, and a majority voted to just distribute the money to other Bitcoin miners. However, this advice does not appear to have been taken. Blockchain data shared by Bitcoin miner Mempool confirmed that the funds were indeed returned on September the 15th. Thousands of dollars in transaction fee mistakes have been lost before. Back in 2019, an Ethereum user lost almost $400,000 in Ether after making the mistake of pasting values into the wrong fields. Luckily, the Ethereum mining pool Spark Pool Help the user recover half of the funds lost. And now you won't have to worry about that ever again. Why? Because they went to proof of stake. And that's a whole other, that's a whole other bear cat. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'll just check in to see if anybody here is do to do. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking at zap.stream to see if there's any comments here. Yeah. Kid warp. Uh, I, I will, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and do a, a full show on on that silver pasture thing because i think it's worth it i think we need to you know have just more ideas about stuff uh let's see starting a sovereign community is what it sounds like i want to get away from that i the, i mean i i i have said the word citadel more times than it should probably be legally allowed but it can't it's not that it's not that i don't want it to be it's that that is always fraught with massive problems. There's other ways. There's other ways to form a sovereign community. It could be around this. It's just that I just remember a couple of people that said that they, you know, they Bitcoin was like at sixty thousand dollars. Guy goes out and buys land. Says they're going to start their own town. 
and shit falls apart because we're, you know, the, 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 he didn't really realize that the other end of the Bitcoin cycle was coming. And even if it hadn't have come, I've seen projects like this that say, you know, we're going to live together and sing Kumbaya. The problem is, is that it doesn't ever seem to actually work out. So something else needs to happen. I, I, I think I'm trying to think as long-term as I can in, in a generational way, like seven generations, 10 generations, 15 generations, but it doesn't mean that you shelve good moral and ethical business practices. The thing has got to be able to support itself monetarily and produce a profit. That has to happen first, then, then possibly a citadel type sovereign community could be built around it. But unless that thing starts making money and, you know, making its daily bread all by its lonesome, that shit will never happen. So that's sort of my thinking about where, where that whole thing is at. Now, getting back to the news, let's talk about Swan a little bit. Swan has pledged to launch a new trust company with the company BitGo. Bitcoin Magazine writing for Bitcoin Magazine. Swan Bitcoin is offering new insight into just how Bitcoin stored on its exchange will be held in custody in the future, following a tumultuous month in which many of the company's users were left looking for clarity. No shit. Announced Thursday, that would be yesterday, Swan Bitcoin says it intends to partner with BitGo to launch a Bitcoin-only trust company, one that would require regulatory approval before ultimately being made live for customers. Quote, This strategic partnership aims to cater to the growing demand for Bitcoin-specific solutions while addressing the critical security and custody requirements within the Bitcoin ecosystem, a press release sent exclusively to Bitcoin Magazine Red. Swan Bitcoin CEO Corey Clipston said in a statement that the plan is to either acquire an existing trust company or build one. If they choose to acquire, he said they aim to be live with customers by the first quarter of 2024. <coughs> if instead they build a new trust, the goal is to go live by the third quarter. Clipson further detailed how the move builds on an existing collaboration between the companies, explaining that BitGo has held all of Swan users' custody coins in cold storage since June, which will continue. He claims Fortress does not custody Swan's clients' coins, except for small amounts temporarily when satisfying with withdrawal requests. BitGo CEO Mike Belshi echoed Clipston's claims, saying the company ha- companies have been collaborating on a solution for some time. Prior to Fortress and BitGo, Swan Bitcoin used Prime Trust as its preferred custody cart partner. But they filed for bankruptcy in August. Eh, yeah, we know. Quote, our teams have worked closely together for nearly a year on stronger qualified custody models, Belshi said. Early in 2023, we recognized the opportunity to establish a Bitcoin-only custodian combining the capabilities of each company. End quote. The Trust's announcement follows the acquisition of Fortress by Ripple, a cryptocurrency company formed in 2012, yes, we know, that is devoted to evangelizing the XRP digital asset. The acquisition by Fortress, or of Fortress by Ripple, caused a stir on social media, especially given that Clipston had previously accused Ripple of fraud. Of note, 
is that Swan Bitcoin actively discourages customers from holding Bitcoin on its exchanges. An industry best practice that that has limited client exposure to Fortress. Elsewhere, the press release was forward-looking and aspirational, with Clipston seeking to highlight his desires to create a Bitcoin-only custodian that would satisfy his customers' concerns, limiting their exposure to the cryptocurrency ecosystem of which he has been so publicly critical. Founded in 2013, BitGo is a cryptocurrency custody company regarded for its security Though it's notable that after launching as a Bitcoin-only company, it would go on to add support for hundreds of crypto assets. It's just so sick, man. Still, the prospect of the creation of a Bitcoin-only custodian will likely find an appeal with Swan Bitcoin users. While Clipson said they expect to serve company treasuries, asset managers, governments, and on-ramps like Swan itself. Though in practice, it remains to be seen whether there would be demand for the offering. Quote, with the Bitcoin-specific trust company, we'll finally be able to deliver the product that marries the best of self-custody service with the components that require qualified custody. This has never been achievable before because existing offerings focus on breadth of token support rather than the absolute best custody for Bitcoin, said Swan Bitcoin co-founder and CTO, Jan Pritzker, quote, the new trust company will offer Bitcoin specific features such as institution grade advanced wallet management capabilities and more ways for clients to hold their own keys, inheritance planning and adoption of new Bitcoin standards as they emerge in quote. For instance, some of Swan's competitors in the Bitcoin only brokerage space, such as River, already employ their own in-house custody solutions without third parties, quote, for years. We've heard from major clients, partners, and other Bitcoin companies that they would prefer a Bitcoin-only software and services stack focused on strictly the best custody leveraging Bitcoin's unique features, said Clipston. Time has proven that altcoins come with risks on many levels. Demand will continue to grow for Bitcoin-only services that avoid many of those risks. Then why are you going with BitGo, Corey? This is what I don't understand. You went from Prime Trust, and I'm like, and don't get me wrong, I like Corey, but right now I'm, all, I'm just frustrated because he went from Prime Trust to Fortress, or yeah, Prime Trust to Fortress, and Fortress was founded by the same guy that founded Prime Trust. Next thing you know, Fortress starts having problems, and here comes freaking Brad Garlinghouse and Ripple to step in and be the shit coiners that they are with Fortress Trust. And now, what does he do? He goes to BitGo. Is, was there any other way? I mean, was it possible to have worked with Bull Bitcoin? Would it have been possible to work with somebody else? Because Mike Belshi signed his name to the New York agreement that was supposedly going to tell the rest of the Bitcoiners of the world how shit was going to be. They were going to put in SegWit and they were going to force a four megabyte block, screw you. And Mike Belshi has never apologized. In fact, there's only one person that signed his name to that letter that has ever apologized, and that's Bruce Fenton, as far as I know. Everybody else, and that includes that Barry Silbert guy, I think Roger Ver signed it, and Mike Belshi signed it along with 15 other people. And I'm pretty sure Shang Peng Zhao from Binance actually signed it. Nobody but Bruce has ever apologized 
for pulling that kind of stunt. And it won't be the last stunt. We're looking square in the face at the whole drive chain bullshit right now. I don't even want to go there. Right? So I'm frustrated with Swan at this point. You know, because it's like I knew that I knew Corey. I knew Corey doesn't he doesn't want to be a shit coiner. He wouldn't say all of the things that he said for as long as he said them if he was actually ever really wanting to be a shitcoiner. But it just, it drives me crazy because now it's BitGo and not a good, solid Bitcoin company because BitGo ain't it. I mean, yes, they've been around for years and years and years. Yes, they were one of the people that kickstarted the entire Bitcoin ecosystem. But they quickly got into shit coinery and they're going to stay in shit coinery forever. And I don't like the moral implications of shit coinery because it always gets people wrecked. So I don't know, man, I'm still, I'm still going to give, you know, Corey the benefit of the doubt and that maybe he can form a relationship with an actual honest to God, Bitcoin only company. But what worries me is that there is, it, it worries me that it's not going to happen because of quote unquote standard business practices, everybody in suits with ties saying business speak to each other and they just can't ever get their heads out of that. That's what really, that's what I'm cautioning everybody about. Every time you hear me say suit speak, it's pretty much a derogatory term and I don't, it just means People talking business speak to other people, even though it's the business environment is just filled with unethical behavior. That's where, when I say suit speak, that's where I'm coming from. Like this person, we're going to get into this one from the Daily Hoddle. Do you remember the Crypto Queen? Remember the Crypto Queen? Well, her associate has received... 20 years in prison and ordered to surrender $300 million. Shitcoin. Shitcoin. One of the co-founders of the $4 billion one-coin crypto pyramid scheme has been sentenced to 20 years. Carl Sebastian Greenwood co-founded the infamous fraud with Ruja Ignatova, the crypto queen, widely known as the Crypto Queen. Greenwood and Ignatova started OneCoin in 2014, operated the company as a multi-level marketing network. They falsely claimed the project maintained a private blockchain and the fraud reportedly lured in more than 3.5 million victims. Greenwood, a citizen of the United Kingdom and Sweden, was also ordered to pay more than $300 million worth of forfeiture, according to a new press release from the United States Department of Justice. Ignatova, leader of the scam, has been a fugitive since 2017 and was placed on the FBI's 10 most wanted list in 2022. A February report from Bird, a Bulgarian investigative journalism outlet indicated she may have been murdered at the order of known drug lord Histophoros Taki Amantadias. I can't pronounce it. Bird cited documents found in the home of a former top Bulgarian police officer, Lubimar Ignov, or uh, sorry, Ivanov, after he was murdered last year. However, the report's information is not authenticated and the details about Ignatova's death remain the subject of speculation. 
The FBI says that it will pay out a $100,000 reward for information leading to Ignatova's arrest. This is what shitcoinery gets everybody. It gets them wrecked. 3.5 million people lost every dime they put into one coin. That's why I'm frustrated with Corey getting into bed with BitGo. They're a shitcoin company at this point. And each one of those shitcoins is a scam. It's a just, it's, it's multi-level marketing. It's scam. And I'm frustrated. And I, I wish I'd, I wish I could be like, you know, happy about the fact that they're fine. They're going to immediately move away from Fortress Trust. But to walk into the arms of Mike Belshi, for God's sakes, almighty, it's like, are we ever going to learn our lessons? I don't know, but I got to, re- hold on. I've got to uh, reload this one web page. Here we go. This is something I am happy about. I'm very happy about this. We're going to get into a little bit of Noster stuff. All right. Deployed zap splits on notes. NIP57.G. You can configure splits in advanced menu. So this appears to be on Amethyst. I'm not sure. But what it does is I write a note. I can then get into the advanced menu on whatever, I think it's the Amethyst client, and I can actually select who, if anybody zaps the note that I put out, who gets a portion and what percentage of that portion do those people get. And you can do it on a note-for-note basis. That's important. That's going to be very important moving forward. (coughs) It's brilliant, and I... Just, I love Nostra so much because of this. And in fact, I was thinking about it this morning. It seems that there's like, I don't know, 500,000 users of Nostra and maybe 50,000 daily users. And it seems small and people joke about it. But we probably have, in the Nostra ecosystem, we probably have more developers than any other social media platform that there is. Things are built so fast, it will make your head spin. And so I get the feeling that there's a reason why more developers are working on Noster than any other platform that's, so well, quote unquote, social media. It's, I'm just going to keep it there for, you know, for now. But so Blue Sky people can laugh at Noster all they want. Blue Sky has been Blue Sky there's been literally no changes to Blue Sky since its release, as far as I can tell. Maybe one or two. Noster, it's every freaking day. And now I get splits on notes. Dude, these guys are just, they're blazing. They're, they're just blazing, man. It's, they're like all of them. They're all rock stars. But speaking of blazing, cast it into the fire. The GOP moves to advance bills that ban CBDCs. Nicholas Morgan from Decrypt. Is a central bank digital currency necessary to protect the United States' financial preeminence, or is it a step towards authoritarianism? Congress returned to these questions again as Republicans move to advance new bills aimed at stopping a CBDC from going online. A House Financial Services Committee hearing today focused its attention on an 
a trio of bills that would put limits on the Federal Reserve's ability to operate a CBDC if passed. These bills, all sponsored by Republican lawmakers, include provisions that directly prevent the Federal Reserve from issuing digital currency or related banking services to Americans without express approval from Congress. Representative French Hill, who chairs the House Financial Services Committee Subcommittee on Digital Assets, opened the hearing with a rejection of the possible CBDC. Quote, let me be unequivocally clear here for this audience. There is no support for a CBDC in Congress. End quote. For the Republicans and several witnesses, the concerns around a CBDC is based on a mixture of concerns. One concern is the effect a digital dollar could have on the traditional banking sector. Another is the idea that a CBDC could crowd out the market for stablecoins, digital assets issued by private companies that are pegged to fiat currencies like the dollar and are used by traders to enter and exit positions without touching fiat. But a handful of Republicans are painting a bleaker picture one that portrays the adoption of a CBDC as a slippery slope to China-style authoritarianism. Yay, just that's perfect. Representative Warren Davidson, a vocal supporter of cryptocurrency in Congress, said a wrongly structured system of money is the largest existential threat to Western civilization. Davidson, who has previously called for the criminalization of developments of CBDCs, likened it to one ring to rule them all referring to the evil ring from the Lord of the Rings series to emphasize his point on distrusting the state. Quote, In my view, we ought to cast it into the fire and destroy it, said Davidson. For their part, Democrats lean towards continuing research into a CBDC at a time when hundreds of nations are already piloting or experimenting with them. In his opening remarks, Representative Steve Lynch, Democrat from Massachusetts, accused the cryptocurrency industry of fear-mongering around a weaponized CBDC and warned that failing to consider the merits around one would leave the United States further behind its peers and rivals. Lynch also criticized Republicans for raising red flags about potential government surveillance of Americans' finances, but not holding the same concerns when it is done by corporations. Hey, P. Tar, thank you for the zap, brother. Quote, it is counter, counterintuitive that my colleagues are raising concerns about data privacy while thousands of companies, domestic and foreign, are aggregating and selling consumer data every day. End quote. Republicans' opposition to the CBDC has received vocal backing recently, including from several of the presidential candidates. Biotech entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis have railed against a possible CBDC, and for its part, the Biden administration has taken the position to support further research into a CBDC. A White House report from last September detailed potential benefits to a CBDC, but called for further research and did not explicitly call for its adoption. The Fed has also pondered the prospect, but its vice chair for supervision, Michael Barr, said last week that no decision has been made on launching a CBDC yet. So there's three bills that are circulating in Congress that want to stop the issuance of a CBDC. I don't care what side of the aisle those come from. They're critical, they're necessary, and they're appreciated. I don't care if Democrats pushed them. I don't care if Republicans pushed them. I don't care if Libertarians pushed them. I don't care if little green men from frickin' Mars pushed them. 
You cannot do a CBDC. The argument that we will fall behind the rest of the world is bullshit. It's absolute bullshit because all of those systems are just seeking more and more control of their citizenry. If we can maintain our freedom, what little we have left in the United States, we're going to cause brain drains from all these other countries because they're just going to get their fill and they're going to leave and they're going to want to go somewhere where they can be free. If the whole world is locked down, then the whole world is going to be lit on fire. Nobody wants to see it. Nobody wants to see it. I don't want to see it. You don't want to see it. I guarantee you that the people that think they want to see it, if they saw it, they'd go, shit, I wish I didn't see this. You know what? Let's run the numbers. CNBC, futures and commodities. I got what? West Texas Intermediate is up half a point. $90.66. $90.66. Brent North Sea is up a tenth of a point to $93.79. Natural gas has fallen by two points to $2.65 a thousand. And gasoline is down 1.4% to $2.70 a gallon. Gold is doing okay. I guess that means that Peter Schiff is too. It's up three quarters of a point. Uh, $1,946.40. Silver is up 1.68%. Platinum is up two. And copper is down two-thirds of a point, while palladium is down a third. Holy shit, Pitar. God damn, that was not a test. Sorry. (laughs) Whoa. 21,000 Satoshis. Holy smokes, brother. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, Agriculture is not being in an appreciative mood, however. Most of it is in the red today. Lumber has fallen by half a point. Wheat is the, well, no, actually, no, coffee Ooh, 3.28% to the upside. Everything else is in the red. The biggest loser today is going to be soybeans. So your soy boys are crying 1.05% to the downside. Live cattle up a half. Lean hogs up a third. Feeder cattle is up three quarters of a point. So those guys are doing well today, I suppose. Dow is down ooh, three quarters of a point. S&P is down almost a full point. NASDAQ is down one and a half. And the S&P Mini is down 1.21%. Oh, joy. And real money, uh, $26,354.16. Average transaction value, a third of a Bitcoin. Median transaction values are 7.8 United States pennies, which means ordinals and inscriptions. Block times are lower than I've seen them in a very, either, either this is the lowest I've ever seen block times or it's the lowest in a very long while. Dudes, gentlemen and ladies, Dominoon Heron, may I introduce seven minutes and 35 seconds? Holy shit. Uh, 0.17 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis. 33.19 BTC taken overall in the last uh, 24 hours. And with an 18.86% jump in hash rate, where BitInfo charts is flashing 468.18 exahashes per second. We'll find out if that, is that... Make sure that 468 exahashes per second. Holy crap. 6.2 United States pennies is Dogecoin's price. That's your shitcoin indicator. So that should tell you what the rest of the field is doing. 
Uh, market capitalization, $513.9 billion. You can purchase 13.9 ounces of shining metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,486,305 and 4,776.75 of those are locked in the Lightning Network valued at $126 million. We have 16,180 nodes that we know about, 68,640 payment channels that we can see, and Tor percentage has risen again to 79%. Wow, nice. Now, mempool.space, we have what? Oh, man, it's kind of hard to see. Come on, man. Give me. Uh, well, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me make sure I can get this. It looks like we've got 210 blocks uh, carrying 548,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear. Uh, transactions are going for 16 Satoshis per V-byte on high priority and low priority is 14. Anything under 6.92 Satoshis per V-byte are being purged from mempools around the world. Mining from mempool.space is showing five, oh, sorry guys, 518 exahashes per second. Holy smokes. That may be a record. That may be a record. I don't know. But that certainly uh, that certainly uh, explains the issue of why we have seven and a half minute block times right now. 518 exahashes per second, ladies and gentlemen. I am still on the charts. Thanks to people like Pies with 5,000 sats says top five LFG. Let's get there, brother. Wartime Psycho with 5K sat says, Mid-Michigan Bitcoin meetup is Friday, 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 September the 15th. That's today at 6 p.m. at Lake Satoshi. Starts at 6 p.m. Bring your own beer, but pizza will be provided. Come out and have a good time. So that's the Mid-Michigan Bitcoin meetup is today, September the 15th at 6 p.m. at Lake Satoshi. Thank you, Wartime Psycho. I love making those announcements. Wartime Psycho comes back with another 2,000 sats, says BC1QLB, blah, 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 blah. Axelrod with 1451 says, missed your show yesterday. I padded the boost for your paid day off. Thanks, man. Enjoyed the Ron Burgundy gag. It reminded me of a children's book called The Book with No Pictures. Keep up the solid work. Cheers. Yeah, you too, brother. You too, brother. Uh, God's death with a row of sticks. One, 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 one says, thank you, sir. Glad you're normal. No offense. Actually, I just got blood work back and my cholesterol is high. They say I'm at risk for a heart attack, although not bad, but they also say I have a 7% risk for a stroke because my cholesterol is high. I'm calling bullshit. They want me to come in for medication. You know what that means? Means statins. You know what I'm not going to do? Take statins. no. I like my cholesterol. I'm going to be getting my my results because they just said total cholesterol. And I'm like, no, that's not the whole story. I want the high density, mid density, and low density cholesterol profile so that I can make a better determination on how I move forward in the future. And they said, suggested that I eat a healthier diet. I eat tons of animal fat and protein. That is the healthy diet. These people are whacked, man. These people are whacked. All right, pies with 500. The signal is strong. This is the way. Jim Leahy with 300 says, does Corey over at Swan uh, run any run anyone the wrong way? What's your gut feeling say about the guy? 
I think he said rub anyone the wrong way, but he's, you know, typos. Hey, this shit happens. Axelrod comes back to that and says, he seems to be a true maxi straight shooter. And I agree with Axelrod. I think Corey is in the business development cycle and he's trying to break out of it, but everywhere he goes is just fraught with, with suits. That's the problem. It's not that Corey doesn't want to get out of this shit. It's that for him to be able to continue running his business and pay the people that work for him, he's going to have to do the things that he has to do to keep that shit running. And right now, because we're trying to to turn over into a new world, but we can't, he's having to deal with the suit-wearing, tie-speak bullshit. And that's why Corey's where he's at. I really wish that Bull Bitcoin would come out of the woodwork and give Corey a call and say, how can we help? We're Bitcoin only. We don't deal in shit coins. We don't have the history of signing the New York agreement. That's what I wish. There's, and there's other companies. I'm just picking on Bull Bitcoin because they're one of my favorites. But somebody, please do something. Go rescue Corey. Go get Corey. We need Corey back from not being, you know, partying down with, you know, Brad Garlinghouse and freaking Mike Belshi. Yeah, whatever. BitGus with 100 says, boost. Pies with 100 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. But Pipe Bomb finishes us off at 100 sats with shit chains. And that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use value for value. Let's talk about it, right? We were just reading Boostergrams, but this is from Obla.News. It's Get Albi. It's they've blog their blog posting on you know or posting their blogs or whatever on all on Obla.News. That's H A B L A dot news. It's a Noster based blog platform. If you have not looked at Obla.News. I highly recommend that you do because you can sign in with your Nostra keys. It's awesome. And I signed in with my Nostra keys with my GitAlby extension in my web browser. I know it's not the most secure thing in the world, but we're running with scissors around here, man. We're being reckless. That's the way that shit goes. But they're making the case for value for value. Enabling the age-old voluntary value exchange model in the age of Bitcoin. Made popular by Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak with their No Agenda Show podcast that has been running since 2007, the value-for-value model has been around for centuries. Its most popular age-old example is busking. A performer does their thing in a public square or a farmer's market. The audience enjoys the performance, and if they enjoy a little too much, they are more than welcome to do a quick shimmy. And when the show is over, the audience puts in the performer's open box what they felt their impromptu jig was worth. The busker seeks not your patronage, but a direct payment for what you thought their effort deserved. No middlemen, straight to the performer, whatever value each audience member felt that they wanted to voluntarily offer. In the modern world, where performers of all kinds writers, musicians, artists, podcasters, etc., can distribute their work with the click of a button from their home studio. The life cycle of revenue generation through licensing, paywall, and various other digital rights management methods is immortal. But 
As brilliant as the never-ending ability to generate revenue sounds, the problem with digital content is that it can be reproduced ad infinitum with neither the creator getting to know about it and worse, nor do they earn any revenues if the reproduced content is generating any. Unlike a physical good whose duplication has real costs, a digital good is perfectly copyable. And if it is a piece of work that has found appreciation from people, it will be copied and shared widely. Unfortunately, though, putting a blind eye to this are the various modern-day publications that have gone on to build walled gardens of paywalled content. Echoing Gigi, quote, The paradox of digital rights management is this. Content will only stay behind a paywall if it is shitty. <laughs> if it's good, someone will set it free. End quote. Thus, a way to solve the dilemma of seeing people reproduce your work repeatedly while you try to paywall it to earn a living is to let it fly free. Confused? Allow me to explain some more. What is the value-for-value value model? As described above, any online info that is non-scarce, easily reproduced, and effortlessly liberated requires a voluntary model. Some describe it as a type of donation, pay what you want, or crowdfunding. And we like to call it value for value. One way the value for value model stands out from the conventional method of raising funds is the flipping of the two steps of payment and enjoyment of the content. In most mainstream transaction initiatives, the payment takes place before the work is consumed or even produced. Examples, your local commute, McDonald's burger, or Wall Street Journal subscription. In a value-for-value value model, however, the creator receives the value after the customer enjoys the content. The creator generates value through their content, and in return, the customer decides to pay with something of value without the involvement of a third party, voluntarily, pay to, or P2P, V4V. What V4V also does is makes the creator focus on customer delight and not on clickbaity headlines or those wide open mouth thumbnails that have plagued YouTube. Unlike the sponsorship infested content that is served to you by echoing chamber prison enabling algorithms, if the customer likes the work that you produce, they are likely to come back for more knowing full well that it is their contribution that allows you to keep creating. So, can value for value emerge as a viable alternative to the advertising behemoth? Simply, yes. By making you in charge of the value you provide independent of any pressures of censorship or worse, self-censorship. When the customer decides the value and pays directly to the supplier, the supplier places the responsibility on the customer to value the service that you provided. And, hold on. I'm I'm being distracted by something shiny. Okay. Uh, when the customer decides the value and pays directly to the supplier, the supplier places the responsibility on the customer to value the service you provided. And when they do offer you some value, you can find a balance between your effort and the return that it generates. You are now not chained by the arbitrary desires and threats of the sponsors. If this isn't true freedom, then what is? Granted, these transactions are likely to be small amounts, but digital content scales in ways physical content delivery can't and never will. Fortnite sees millions of viewers logging in to watch their live events, while the biggest ticketed physical concert had only 225,000 attendees. Unfortunately, though, value for value isn't the norm, nor is it the standard. 
Services often incorporate various tricks to ensure revenue keeps trickling in, whether the customer is getting their best work takes a back seat. The value-for-value model does not leave room for tricks, for it is transparent. It places the responsibility of delivering value on the creator and its true valuation on the recipient. How can this value exchange take place online? As argued previously, the struggle for digital content monetization is about setting a price for something that can be perfectly replicated over and over again. And with advertisers deciding what should exist on the Internet, the model of monetization on the Internet is broken. What is needed is a direct P2P transfer of value online. This is made possible through the native money of the Internet, Bitcoin whose instant transfer is facilitated through the Lightning Network. In the value-for-value model, Lightning Network is a fast and secure way for customers to show their true appreciation. It is now up to the creator to decide whether to provide value to high players or to the long tail of micro players or even a balanced distribution that optimizes the true valuation. Check out Podcasting 2.0 as a successful value-for-value model enabled by the Podcast Index, and that link is podcastindex.org. And apps like Breeze, Fountain, and Sphinx Chat that allow users to stream payments to their favorite podcasters while they listen. So there you go. That's sort of like a a nice breakdown of value-for-value and what it actually means because they're right. The, The advertising model for everything is broken, not just on the internet, TV, radio. Hell, I can't even go to the freaking movies anymore without seeing shit tons of product placement. Did you go see the Barbie movie? It's honestly, it's actually worth it. I know it sounds funny, but the movie's worth it. But the product placement, it's like you just can't get away from it. It's just sick. Right. And you know that those advertisers are probably have a say in what goes into the script or how the movie might actually be edited. I mean, it's like everything's been sanitized because of brand safety. Nobody can say anything because they might piss off their their advertiser or their sponsors. There's just we're stuck. Again, going back to the Silvo pasture model that I was talking about before, like right at the front of the show. Right. And for the guys that were listening, that are listeners only, I don't know what to tell you about that, but (laughs) uh, I'm sorry that, you know, I should have should have tried to describe it a little bit better for the guys listening at the top of the show. And I just now figured out that I was horrendously remiss in that because I was focused on Zapstream where people can actually see my screen and I was showing them pictures. Wow, that's being really remiss. And I'm sorry that's a bad host. I'm going to uh, I'll I'm going to take that shit under advisement. In either way, we're done with value for value. If you want to support my show, value for value is the way to go. That's just all I'm going to say about it. Where are we at? I don't want to do that one. Uh Oh, oh, this one. This is interesting. Even though we've known about it. What am I talking about? Brian Armstrong from Coinbase. Daily Hoddle has it written by Rodalie Jean Dollar. Uh, Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong says crypto exchange will now support the Bitcoin Lightning Network. He's been saying that for months. 
Is there anything different? Let's find out. Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong says the largest U.S.-based crypto exchange is adding support for Lightning Network. Okay, he's said that before. In a statement, Armstrong says Coinbase is working to add Lightning given the significance and importance of Bitcoin in the digital asset space. Yes, you've said that before. This was written yesterday from the Daily HODL, so I don't know if anything has changed, but, quote, we've made the decision to integrate Lightning. Bitcoin is the most important asset in crypto, and we're excited to do our part to enable faster, cheaper Bitcoin transactions, end quote. Coinbase previously issued a statement saying that Lightning can revolutionize payment systems and disrupt the $105 billion industry. Quote, Lightning has the potential to replace existing payment processors for fiat transactions without the consumer knowing that BTC was used as the underlying settlement layer. Visa and MasterCard are the world's dominant payment processing networks. By collecting 2 to 3% transaction fees every time someone swipes a debit or credit card, they pulled in $24 billion in 2021. Payment processors leveraging the Lightning Network could undercut that, end quote. Armstrong already unveiled Coinbase's interest in integrating Lightning last month. In response, Square CEO Jack Dorsey says he's willing to work with the exchange in building a Bitcoin payment system. Quote, putting more of your resources towards your original focus on Bitcoin and layer two technologies would be amazing. And we'd be happy to partner, end quote. So here's the question. Is Brian Armstrong just blowing more smoke up people's butt? Or is he actually serious? Because he's been talking about this for well over a month. They said a month here. It's been well over a month. There's been, a, this is at least the third time that I know about that Brian Armstrong has said something about how Coinbase is going to integrate the Lightning Network and yet it still isn't integrated, is it? It's not. I'm frustrated again. It's a frustrating day. It's just, it, it is what it is. But, eh, you know, Willie or won't he? I just, I never know what the hell Brian's going to do. And I believe, if I remember right, I think Brian Armstrong also signed the New York Agreement. He is definitely not my favorite person, but whatever. Um, Getting back to Noster. Let's clear our heads a little bit. Shake it off. Noster. This is from Ethan, I-E-F-A-N, at nosterplebs.com, writing on Noster. His note says this. The initial version of the Noster calendar is almost ready and will be available on NosterNet today. I made it more mobile responsive. I will keep improving it in the coming days. At HODLBOD has already done extraordinary work on it. It's very easy to use and it works great. What is it? It's a calendar. On Noster. It's like your calendar, like, you know, like a Google calendar or whatever calendar. And I was able to get into it by going to, um, let's see, do I have it up here? No, you know what? I don't have it up here. Uh, Let's see if I can get to it from here. No, 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 no. Damn it. I forgot where it was, (laughs) but it's a calendar and it's on Noster. And I put in like, you know, a couple of events for today. What I've noticed is that like I put in an event and had it logged in like a couple of minutes before the time, like I put it in 
at, at a time. Like you, like I can go to the calendar, I can click a day and I can add an event. Okay. It's an event. It's a Noster event. I don't know what kind, like the event kind. I don't know what kind it is, but I was able to give it a title and give it, you know, a couple of notes like, uh, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like the, the name of the day, like your anniversary, dude. And then like, you know, say something more about it. And then it comes to the, you can change the date that, you know, the, the day and month and year, and you can change the time of day that that event occurs. So I set something to go off a couple of minutes later and I never received, I don't know what, an alarm or a notice out of the calendar. I was hoping what would happen is that the calendar would somehow or another send me a note through DM or something that says, hey, your event's coming up. So I get the feeling that that will be there, but this is bare bones. It's bare bones, but it works. It's a calendar for Noster. And I'm, 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 I'm excited about it because I like calendars and they're very, very handy. And when you can just do all of your shit with your Noster keys, because when you sign in to this calendar, you're using your Noster keys. It knows it's you and not somebody else, which if you've got a whole bunch of stuff on your calendar, now here's the, here's the rub. If you like are putting on your calendar, I will be carrying 100 Bitcoin in my cold card wallet to Riga next year. And I will be here and here and here at these exact days on these exact times. And somehow or another, your private key on Noster gets exposed. Um, your calendar would be exposed. So keep that in mind. There are always trade-offs, always trade-offs. Be careful with the calendar because if you do shit like I, you know, I need to be at this exact address at this exact time on this exact day, because I'm going to go over to Unchained Capital and bring them my cold card. You might, and you get your shit exposed. You might be up for a kidnapping. Just saying, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. All right. What else? Oh, Celsius. Celsius is back in the news. Um, one of Celsius executives has pled guilty and agrees to cooperate in a case against its CEO. According to Decrypt, Nivesh Rustgi is writing it. Ronnie Cohen Pavon, 36, a former executive at Alan Mashinsky's bankrupt crypto lending platform, Celsius Network, has pled guilty to four criminal charges per court dark documents. Cohen Pavon faces a combined maximum term of imprisonment of 65 years over charges relating to market manipulation of a security in the cell token, as well as wire fraud. Along with his prison sentence, Cohen Pavon will be required to make restitution in the amount to be specified by the court. His sentencing date is set for December the 11th, 2024. Yeah, 2024 before the U.S. District Judge John Colty in Manhattan. He will continue to be on bail until that time. According to court documents shared by Reuters, the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York, who would have guessed, has accepted Cohen Pavan's guilty plea. The United States Attorney also reached an agreement with him for his cooperation in the case against Mashinsky, with an understanding that no testimony or other information given by the defendant will be used against him in any criminal tax prosecution. Prosecutors may recommend that Judge Kotal take Cohen 
Pavon's assistance into account during his sentencing. He served as the chief revenue officer at Celsius and reportedly received around $3.6 million in payments from the firm. He was arrested on July the 13th as the co-accused in the case between the United States SEC, CFTC, and FTC against Alex Mashinsky on charges related to market manipulation and securities fraud. On September the 11th, Mashinsky submitted a court filing arguing to dismiss the Federal Trade Commission's case against him entirely. His lawyers argued that the allegations don't demonstrate that he knowingly made false statements to fraudulently obtain customer information from financial institution. Okay. So he, this is one of the reasons why not only should you not buy and deal and dabble in shit coinery, but you should never start a shit coin company because you're going to go to prison. You may not agree with it. You may not like it. But that's where you're going to end up. And you can not like it all the way to your prison cell and then not like it after they've shut the door and continue to not like it when you go to the showers and bend over to pick up the fucking soap. Because that's where you're going to go. All of these people deserve to be in prison because none of them have your best interest in mind. They don't have my best interest in mind. They don't have anybody's best interest in mind except themselves and their very close friends because they're stealing money from people that can't afford to be stolen from to line their already lined pockets. They would. It's not like somebody who's homeless can start up a shit chain company. They're already loaded with cash. They just want more of it and they want it from you. Stop dealing in shit coinery, please, for the love of God. All right, let's see. Uh, what time is it? Yep, I think that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Friday, Friday. Friday, Dad says, jokes day. I'm making a documentary series on how to fly an airplane. We're currently filming the pilot. (laughs) That's pretty good. I like that one. Um, If you want to support the show, podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. Also, zapping me on Zapstream. So generally speaking, it's the value for value model. It's very clear that, you know, Pitar valued some of the things that I had to say today, and I appreciate Pitar for being a listener. Thank you for the 21,000 Satoshis. Can't tell you what it means to me. It's, it's wonderful to see, but we have to move forward with the value for value model in all things, not just podcasting, but everything, music, eventually movies, but that's going to be, that's going to be the last cookie to crumble. I guarantee it. I'll bet you video games goes value for value before Hollywood does. That's a bet that I'm making. Although actually, since I'm not the betting kind, I'm just going to make, I'm making the prediction. I don't like betting because it's, for me, it's unethical. If I'm wrong, you can point your finger at me and laugh, but we probably won't find out about that shit until way, way later. All right. With all that said, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to see if the following works. Um, I'm going to lift the desktop audio and shut off my mic so that we can play the song 
lying to you from Skrilla Bobcat. Yeah, I've been lying to you about exactly what I'm addicted to. Yeah, I've been lying to you about exactly what I'm addicted to. I'm tired of these reasons and I'm tired of these lies. Tired of these jokes that are passing me by. I've been lying to you about exactly what I'm addicted to. Oh, baby, that feeling when I start to get lifted. Yeah. Sifted, finally intertwined with this chemical mischief. Mom and dad want me against these kids. They are encrypted. Like to break the law and line it up, then they just sniff it. Go staying so wild, I'm acting a clown. I'm feeling the up, she wiping me down. Digital age, pivotal days. We're selling our soul for anything vain. You getting that brain, losing your mind. Doing that shit, time after time. It's making no sense, but getting these dollars. I crave a flavor, but I can't call it. Hey, I've been lying to you about exactly what I'm addicted to. Yeah, I've been lying to you about exactly what I'm addicted to. I'm tired of these reasons and I'm tired of these lies. Tired of these jokes that are passing me by. Yeah, I've been lying to you about exactly what I'm addicted to. The things that I've been through, all oh, the things that I've been through. Never pennies for my thoughts, only Benjamin's his crew. Stack up what's said and done, I'm blessed for what I have been through. The man I am today is strong and fearless, never resentful. I'm going so hard, but not in the paint. Behind the arc, the three-point saint. Got so much range, I'm riding a tank. No limit soldiers, that's as I was raised. Now I'm a west, roll with the best. When I need love, I caress on a breast. I'm fucking drunk on your love, baby. Yeah, I've been lying to you about exactly what I'm addicted to. Yeah, I've been lying to you about exactly what I'm addicted to. I'm tired of these reasons and I'm tired of these lies. Tired of these jokes that are passing me by. I've been lying to you about exactly what I'm addicted to. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon.